There we go. Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers podcast. With only minor technical issues. As far as they're concerned, there was zero bullshit before this podcast. <laughs> Episode 52. I'm Jules. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Eric. Hello. Oak. Yo. And Chev. Yep. And we are, of course, a longtime playgroup journeying the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. And on this particular trip through the multiverse, we are entering the vestibule of vexation, the breezeway of bullying, and the hallway of harassment, because we're doing another effing roast, baby. <laughs> vexation does is not a synonym with those other two words. It doesn't Shut up. <laughs> All right, roast, Listen, roast starts now. <laughs> I spent a solid five minutes thinking up some of those good ones earlier. I got a few. I got a few more if you want them. But uh, <laughs> okay, maybe those ones are actually good as opposed to one that just means a confusing place. Uh, not that this podcast is not a confusing place. No, no, but... no, no. no. It, we're we're in there because we are vexed at your deck, and that is why we are roasting it. See, it all makes sense if you actually just take. You should not be. The deck is to, very clear. Take time to uh, think about it. But anyway, <laughs> we're doing another roast. In case it wasn't obvious, we're roasting Eric, who gleefully offered himself up for self-destruction uh chev described him as a true hero in our notes i am a little more pessimistic i I think he might just be a masochist but you know i've never seen eric in that in that kind of way in the bedroom so anyway moving onward uh you guys know how a roast is at this point but if you don't chev's gonna tell you (laughs) so We're here to roast a, a, a deck that actually has seen play uh, recently, which is a new one for our, our roast series. We forced Imagine it that, to. Roasting a deck that someone actually cares about. The way this is going to work is Eric is going to kind of introduce us to his pride and joy, his deck that he thinks is is in a pretty decent place. We just played some games with it last night. It played fairly strong. He's going to tell us what it's supposed to it's do, a generous statement. Uh, how he sees it like kind of thematically. And then we're each going to take turns offering very, you know, a nice hopeful messages that relate to the deck and how we feel about it because obviously the things we have to say are all going to be positive and encouraging um once eric has had enough of that positive and encouragement from us about his deck choices we'll then go into the fixing it up and what things we would do to kind of upgrade this deck uh and if it wasn't clear from tone before we're not going to say nice things about it to start we're going to say very mean things and we all have very strong opinions and then we're going to kind of you know build eric back up get the deck into a place that we think might be a little bit better than where we left it. Yeah. So to pick up where described, uh, the deck being roasted is the Ur-Dragon. Um, to anyone who has talked to me about fantasy or card games or maybe anything in general for more than 10 minutes, you know that dragons are the coolest piece of fantasy and that whenever possible, I like to engage with that element. So in card games, Dragon Tribal is my absolute favorite thing to do. And the Ur-Dragon, when it came out, was a perfect doorway into this. Because until then, there was, like, Scion, but that that didn't really appeal to me. And so when the Ur-Dragon came out... Yeah, no one really out, wants to play Scion of the Ur-Dragon. Gross. Bleh. But yeah, when the Ur-Dragon came out, it seemed like the perfect opportunity to build a, like, full mono-dragon, dragon-tribal deck. And then also Birds of Paradise, because it flies and, like, come on, we gotta get some consistency in here, please. Uh, <laughs> however... Uh, the deck was meant to be strong. It was meant to be expensive. This is a deck that I'm sort of willing to spend money on. And so it includes, uh, some infinite combat steps as like a finishing element. Uh, most of it's like core, like gameplay really falls on, uh, getting haste enablers, playing, playing powerful dragons, 
and then a couple of ping effects, uh, Scourge of Valkus and Dragon Tempest. Uh, those two cards are super strong whenever they land and are often tutor targets and or just uh, cards that I will play pretty much as soon as I draw them because as we get into maybe some of the issues of the deck, it does not do well with a lot of tiny creatures. Uh, I have to either ping them away or go get Salumgar the Drifting Death and have him kill them all for me because the deck plays a single sweeper and it kills all non-dragon creatures and it's super cool. So Eric, but... before we go into to too many of the things, let's stop you from roasting your own deck. That's kind of our job. <laughs> all right, uh, fair but enough. We appreciate, you know, falling on your sword pretty efficiently here. I know what's wrong with this deck. It has some consistency issues. Big creatures are expensive, so I don't play a lot. I will usually play around one thing a turn. It doesn't have a lot of counter magic. Uh, birds just being in the deck, I know is going to get brought up several times, so I want to make sure it's noted I'm the one who brought it up first. <laughs> um, and uh, the mana base this, has not seen love in this, some time. This is but, Eminem's and, last rap in 8 Mile, where he just insults himself, and then he says, hands the mic to the other guy. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> Eric, if, if you're willing to kind of do this whole pod, we can just go home. Like, you know. I think Eric just read all of our, our cheat sheets and was just like, I'm just going to. I'm just going to do this for that. It's fine. <laughs> now that I've I've done the quick sear on both sides, but let this let's get this into the slow cooker. I might the, I might cut that little bit out. I might cut that little bit out just so that we can take it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh boy. So uh who wants to go first? You know, I, got, uh, I do. I I actually oh, okay. I I would like to go first. Eric, for those who don't know for for most of our listeners who who don't necessarily know you, um, personally, you are an engineer by trade, right? You, you went to, you went to college, you have a degree in engineering. So you've probably done, taken a lot of math courses, right? Yes. As part, as part of that, right? I only, I only took up to cal- calculus too. So I'm not, I'm not a math expert here, but I just want to give you some, some numbers, some, some statistics and stuff. You are, uh, you are playing the Ur-Dragon, uh, which I do not even think you read because clearly he's not that important in terms of your overall game plan, uh, but whatever. But he, he does cost a, a nine, a whopping nine converted mana cost or mana value for for the zoomers uh listening um he costs nine okay so, so nine so that's that's a, a reasonable amount and i was looking at your deck and we use moxfield which is a great program and it gives us some statistics and it, it tells me that you're running 34 lands um in in your in your five color deck um with your nine mana commander and your average converted mana cost which is literally the highest of any deck that i've ever seen uh is a whopping 4.17 which is just disgusting. <laughs> there are several formats, including Modern Commander, I would say, that if you don't do anything until turn four or five, you, you have essentially forfeited the game. And also, it, it gave me this interesting statistic that the average amount of lands in your opening hand is 2.4, which is actually less than a third of the mana value of your commander. Which, as I said, it doesn't matter because it's not important to the game plan. But, consi- you know, I've looked at some dragons. They, they cost a bit. Um, this seems a little low for me. This seems a little low, especially when your your mana base is, is, is five colors, right? You want you want to hit a bunch of different colors. There's a lot of pips. We we've never gone to the track together. You know, we've never gone to a casino together. But um, I, I don't know if you're a gambling guy, but I would say leave that to professionals because you know if you lose all your money, how, how are you going to buy all these fetch lands that you need to actually shore up your mana base so you can you know play your cards and actually have functional fixing? Is, is all I'm saying. You know, Julian, these are some interesting statistics. I happen to be looking at some myself while you were just talking here. Um, At the young age, I guess you could say, of five mana value, (laughs) 
Eric has a about a 40% chance of playing any given card uh, on curve based on his current land base. Now, I don't think this factors in ramp, but still just something to think about. I don't about. think that's a problem either. Something to think about. <laughs> something to think about. Well, you know, that's that's funny that you mentioned ramp because that's actually the next thing I want to talk about. So given the statistics that we've talked about, Eric has an ambitious four land ramp spells in this deck. Four, four, that's, that's a lot of lands that he can be getting out of this deck so that he can play um, these cards. Now, I, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's got some artifact ramp in there. But you know what uh, lands don't really do in Commander? Get blown up and uh, leave you strung out on four mana when your hand is full of seven drops. So, yeah, I don't know. Four land ramp seems just about right. Probably could cut down to three, really. Um, you know, and cut another land or two, because it's like, you don't want to be drawing those lands, well, you know, or having to search them out. So, and then lastly, take Birds of Paradise out of this deck. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> the, the, you, Eric, Eric's like, it's okay. I've got all these six drops and these seven drops, but I've got a one mana accelerant. So even if maybe I don't draw, uh, as many lands as I need. I got a one mana accelerant and it taps for any color mana. I can play all my spells. It's easy. Julian, see, I'm not even upset about the birds. I, I think the birds at least are in like the sort of the same domain as the dragons. You know, they're kind of mystical. Yeah, they got they can fly. Let me tell you we what can, I can let, agree me agree tell you what I am mad about. <laughs> let me tell you what about. That's the loosest connection I'll, I've ever listen, heard. It's flying tribal. Listen, and it, it, it's a creature, but. <laughs> Here's the thing, you got this other card in here, and Eric, I know you want to win by combo sometimes, but I think Bear Umbra just kind of breaches a flavor threshold that that can't be crossed in a dedicated tribal deck. Like, again, birds, sort of like the same domain as a dragon, they, they, they're sort of the same shape, but the bear, <laughs> that's just straight up a different type of animal. <laughs> Like straight up, like it is just it it is like a competitor for like a, like apex you know creature of its domain. Um, it is and it's not like even like a you know it's not a human that rides a dragon. It's not like something else that flies. It's not like a a, a different shape dragon. It's just it's just a bear straight up. So we we got bear flavor in this deck. Uh, for the purpose of of course winning by combo. And believe me, I'm not. Uh, against, you know, f stretches on flavor. Um, Ere I will never forget Erebos' whip in the, uh, in the in the vehicle deck. But this, what are you talking I, about? I think that was 100% flavor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this I just can't accept. Uh, I, I don't think the, the flavor loss is worth the combo potential. Who would win? A dragon or a bear? Which which kind of sucks because like the the whole deck on a, on average is a is a huge win for for dragons. You know, you're amassing this army of dragons to terrorize your opponents, having their pitiful creatures flee from massive torrents of fire, uh maybe from an inferno of the star mounts that we saw yesterday or just being like obliterated in the fury of a dragon tempest. But there's nothing that really kind of brings that together. Like when a dragon transforms into a bear and hits you for infinite damage by repeatedly tapping and untapping all of your lands. You know, never have I felt the truly overwhelming might and strength of ancient winged beasts more than in that moment. <laughs> when a bear Chev, is I, hitting you. <laughs> I gotta say, Chev, talking about those, you, you guys are saying it's strong flavor. And I mean, listen, it's a dragon tribal deck, so there's a lot of dragons, right? And Ur-Dragon technically is like the progenitor of all dragons, so... I'm still not super feeling the flavor, though, because Eric's even even if Eric is winning by combos, which is something that we, we might even go into a little bit later. But 
he's not even using dragon combos. There's no Hellkite Charger in there. There's no World Gorger Dragon in there. What What is going on? Yeah. At and least kill me with a flavorful combo. Yeah. And Get you that have, bear out of there. You have the other pieces of these combos in here already. Like, for Hellkite Charger, um, uh, I guess the other combo piece being Savage Vent Maw, right? And for um, World Gorger Dragon, it's Necromancy. Which, you run both of those. So it's like, it's one card away and it's just like... If I was just like, hey Eric, do you think you could just like... I like this deck, but you think you could just put two more dragons in it? And you're just like, you're just like, no, not those ones. Not the ones that you're win like... with combo. We, we got to get these other guys. These guys like, and the bear, of course. The bear. Uh, another sort of combo-focused dragon, which I, I heard you throw some shade at in the beginning. Um, the scion of the Ur-Dragon. <laughs> who, who would be foolish enough to run him? Well, me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that's that's all the the reason he needs Oakley. Exactly. Like, come on. Yeah, I'll just I'll just stop there. No. So okay, Scion. <laughs> we right? can't show up to the ball wearing the same dress. It's it's tacky. <laughs> but it, it's like his son. It's like this is my son. <laughs> He's the Scion of your commander. It's not a son. It's his secretary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But like, great combo piece, right? I mean, sure you got to include another. You, you, but you got like Skitherix in there, right? And it's like. Oh, you want to give him Hexproof? Just turn him into Sylvangar for a turn, uh, and then you can, like, reanimate him with your Necromancy. I don't know. Um, I feel like I feel like he would have been a, a cool addition, and I am a little bit saddened to not see him included, but even without him, World Gorger and Hellkite Charger, that's just unforgivable. That's just, that's just handed it to you. Handed your combos in the dragon <laughs> domain, and you're not taking it. <laughs> you're not taking it for this day. Take it! <laughs> Jeff, what do you got over there? You've been a little, you've been a little quiet. What, what do you got? I don't want to dominate the conversation. Jeff usually has a monologue. Well, mine usually flows from top to bottom. So I I, I was going to wait until, you know, you had said your piece and uh, Oak, Oak had jumped in. Jeff, um, you, you, hit, you, hit us with your, you hit us with your monologue. If we, if we really need to interject, we'll, we'll scream so over you as usual. <laughs> I, I think something that hasn't mentioned, been mentioned so far is, you know, Eric won games last night, which is something unique. For decks that are about to be roasted. Now, did we have to put off the roast for a week because Eric won no games and played not at all the previous week when he tried out the Ur Dragon deck? Maybe, but last night he was successful. Truly, I don't think we've had a deck perform so spectacularly before the roast. You know, being able to provide a constant state of board pressure, dropping threat after threat, and I have to give the the credit where it's due. Um, so, Eric, congrats on putting Selvala Stampede in your deck. You know, what whatever deck you were playing last night. Those generically large creatures really hurt me and dealt a generically large amount of damage. Like, wow. You know, talk about that dragon power. Uh, it was almost as exciting as when Oakley did the exact same thing the game before. You know, what a rush. <laughs> Chills. Maybe that's unfair. I, I shouldn't discount, you know, the uniqueness of, of your favorite deck. This is like your baby, you know. Uh, you've spent years cultivating this perfect draconic brew. But, as we've kind of mentioned before... You got wonderful things in there like a bear combo, which kind of uh, is an interesting choice when there's so many other ones available. Now, I I know, I know you, your deck has to have win cons. You want to win and you're less a fan of the the sort of overplayed long form game where you just try and kind of push to victory. You want something that's like strike quick and end the game all at once so we can start again, which I is a great idea. And it would be wrong to criticize you for just trying to end the game. It'd be kind of like criticizing you for the fact that Ur-Dragon is just a big herald's horn. You know, it's it's too on the nose. Like, that's all they're really doing for the amount you're actually playing the Ur-Dragon. Now, 
Of course, if your dragon hits the battlefield, there is a chance for uh, some heavy damage and big plays. And, you know, we even got to see a little bit of that last night. He did make it onto the battlefield. You know, just like a broken clock is right twice a day. Sometimes <laughs> it's just in the right place at the right time. And that isn't to say the deck doesn't win. But when it does, it's winning while the creator of all dragons, this progenitor of dragonkind, is exuding the same energy as an overexcited parent at their kid's soccer game, cheering from the sidelines while the rest of the deck does all the work. You know, maybe offering some snacks at halftime, like, to get everyone excited again. And I guess I kind of just expected more than a participation trophy when it comes to this avatar of wrath. With the Ur-Dragon feeling more like other, uh, potentially certain over-costed large creatures uh, that very rarely hit the battlefield, you know, maybe they won't be named yet. But, uh, in fact, I think I've seen, from a winning perspective, you know, more from the Savage Ventmaws, the Dra Dragon Lord Coligans, the Uvara Hellkites, you know, Cards that actually do things besides just reduce the cost of, of anything else as kind of just a, a cheerful kind of onlooker. And, and sometimes the Ur Dragon feels like the MTG equivalent of guiding others to a treasure that they cannot possess, which is victory. But this kind of gets a little bit into sticky territory and broaches on subjects that I definitely know a little bit about as well, where how do you make a tribal deck feel like a tribal deck without sacrificing its ability to win? You know, dragons haven't felt the evil eye of Watsi's attention really since the 2017 Commander line. Sure, they've gotten, you know, some great dragons with Strixhaven and Adventures of the Forgotten Realm, but support-wise, it's not like they're elves or elementals getting a glut of broken tech in one fell swoop. You want to make dragons good, and so you have to go shopping at Combo Mart, and outside of Savage Ventmaw and Aggravated Assault that is in there, you know, you're leaving the space of dragons to do so. But... I'm really not one to judge. I, too, poured uh, almost $1,000 into a deck to make a tribe competitive. And look where, you know, that got me. Uh, at, at least you haven't done that yet. At least you haven't put $1,000 into this Ur-Dragon deck to just kind of push dragons forward as opposed to just the, the same combos that can be applied to creatures that are made of earth, wind, fire, and rain or whatever the fuck an elemental is. Uh, do you want uh, just a little, little heat for the fire? This is the new version. The paper version is more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Incredible. Jeez. Um, well, Incredible is a word you could use. <laughs> Eric, since you're willing to shell out all this money for these cards, why am I seeing Enlightened Tutor in here instead of, like, I don't know, a tutor that could grab a dragon, maybe? Like... You could replace that with Mystical Tutor, and you could still get a dragon. It <laughs> uh, A.K.A. Crib Swap. Crib swap? <laughs> I'll get loud about Crib Swap. Don't get me started. <laughs> it's a dragon tribal deck. He's got Crib Swap and Dragon's Fire. Absolute heat. Pun intended. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I don't know. There's there's some other cards in here, not not expensive, that I'm, I'm kind of just like, why? Like, Sign in blood. Why? Like, sure, it's a good card and all, but this is a five-color deck, and, and there's an equivalent that costs one generic and a black instead of two black. So why not run that? Do you just have a sign in blood? What about Boros Charm? Like, I know, okay, maybe once in a while you use the double strike mode on your commander. Not that it kills someone in one hit, but I feel like Heroic Intervention for that Indestructible... Might just be <laughs> the most important part of that and, like, significantly easier to cast. Oh, oh it, it, this is his baby deck, right? So, of course, he, he went to Instacart and just put card draw black uh, protection and all that and told them to go find the best thing and came back with, you know, a, a reasonable equivalent and just hasn't looked back since. 
He's checked the box for draw spell. He's checked the box for indestructibility. It doesn't matter what the card actually is or does. <laughs> uh, as long as, you know, he, he can say that there's card draw in the deck. Fair enough. I think one of my biggest griefs on this is that Eric's not even playing all the best dragons. Honestly, some of his dragons in here that he's got, subpar. Yep. I'm looking at, like, what? <laughs> ice, icing Death? Icing Death, the Frost Tyrant? What is it? You're playing a white card in Commander? Disgusting. <laughs> also, like, Leyline Tyrant? Even Shadrick Silverquill is, like, kind of underwhelmed. Like, you're not playing politics in this deck. These are big daddy dragons. They should be exerting control with the only way they know how, with, you know, blood and fire. And you're going to try and play politics with an Orzhov card? You disgust me. He doesn't even have things like Vavictus the Dire and like, he doesn't have any of the Kamigawa dragons in here. What is this? Who Are you even Eric? Besides Yosei the Morningstar, you know, besides that Kamigawa dragon. Right, yeah, the well, best we don't talk one. About that the one, one everyone loves dirty, to play against. <laughs> that's some dirty stacks crap. But he doesn't have like Kaga the Tidestar. He doesn't have Kokusho. We already said he doesn't have Hellkite Charger, which is perfect for his, his combos. Like, I don't know. I don't even know if we can trust this man with dragons anymore if he can't even make the objectively correct decisions on which ones to put in his deck. He didn't include Birds of Paradise, though, and that's a very strong dragon. So. <laughs> it's got wings, man. <clears throat> um, yeah, but does Eric, it breathe fire? Maybe. <laughs> that shit's got zero power, man. When you cook it It for adds dinner. one red mana. That's that's pretty much breathing fire. <laughs> Eric, you kind of touched on the game plan of this deck before, and it's kind of just like, if it's not combos, it, it's slamming big creatures. And I, I gotta say, you know, it's kind of, it usually it's slamming like one big creature turn. This was touched on sort of briefly last night during the game, but... I feel like the sort of unfortunate game plan for this deck a lot of the time is just fodder for come on dog moments where four turns in a row you play the biggest threat on the field and then you expect not to get like heavily targeted down. It's kind of just like, man, <laughs> there's like a conflict of interest between the person playing and what the deck is actually doing. Rough paraphrase of what Eric said multiple times throughout the night. He was like, you know, I'm playing like Almost to spell a turn. A whole card I'm a turn. doing great. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right. I'm going to interrupt here and break form because that is almost the opposite of what I said, which is I'm not drawing too many lands. I have cards in hand that I want to play. Yes, I'm just playing one a turn. However, there's a mono removal deck across the table, which I will admit is a problem that needs to be fixed. However, I will not accept that level of slander and misquoting. Resume your roast. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds I like I feel like when Eric says game. he can play one thing a turn that does something, it's kind of like when someone says they can multi multitask by walking and breathing at the same time. <laughs> See, now that's bruh. a good roast. <laughs> Bruh, he can, he can tap his head and rub his stomach at the and same time. And rub his belly. Like, that's that's prime combo right there. <laughs> Y'all got more ammo, or uh, do, I, do I get my brief response? I got one more. I take more no thing. issue if you have more ammo. I got I got one more. I, th I think small thing. This could be said about a lot of five color decks, but I think the mana base here is greedy in a bet in not the right way, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more during the build up. But um, I, I think a deck like this is oftentimes uh, which can run some pretty you know cutthroat uh combos, oftentimes sort of whinges on the fact that. You're sort of relying on the good graces of your peers not to run Blood Moon or Back to Basics or, like, Price of Progress. And I think when you're in a pod with Chev, you really just can't rely on that, ever. 
uh, on on a man running just like not hate cards. So listen, yeah. I just bought that one like weird secret layer that has like the. You'll have to be more specific. No, that one. That one weird the one, secret layer. The one where they did like a crossover with that that weird like. Uh, oh, you did buy that. I did get it. <laughs> so I the crossover am about with to arcane. Be, no, not arcane. No, no, um, mischief. mischief. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, New York art collective. Mm. Uh, so I will soon yeah. be the proud owner of a very fancy, very foil blood moon that I will probably feel obligated to play in <laughs> one of my decks. So that is a cool. It's coming. Oh, it's oh, it's oh, dude. Well, all to the be fair, you know. The last time that uh, Eric saw a Blood Moon, he made the responsible choice and now made sure he has one of each basic land in his 34. <laughs> so, you know, if he pulls just the right cards and just the right ramp spells, he could have five whole lands that tap for something other than red. Hey, I do have three forests in there because I really need the forest so that I can play Crows and Grip. grip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> He's also got two planes so that he can make sure he plays that Crib Swap. That's true. You, you, gotta, you gotta have that Crib Swap. However, for Icing Death, I do need both of them. It, well, it's not like even uh, with the, oh, the yeah. discount from Ur Dragon, Crib Swap is still more expensive than many other removal spells. You're right, but it's funny, and that's something. <laughs> In a deck that's trying to be competitive, Eric, I don't know if that's what you want to be. I know. Yeah, I say, are we are we throwing are we throwing any more shade? Because I I'm, I want to actually kind of jump off that point if we're not right. if we're done with. This. Hold on. Between the shade throwing and the reconstruction, right, right, Eric, Eric gets some words to say. I get a rebuttal to a couple dumbass comments made during this podcast, <laughs> such as "Why aren't you running all the Kamigawa dragons? They fucking suck if you aren't reanimating them. They're really subpar for six mana if you aren't playing them multiple times." In my opinion, there are dragons that do more and do better, such as Shadrick Silverquill, which solves my problem of not having small creatures. He is a four mana dragon that makes two ones if I need to block a bunch of tiny bullshit from y'all. It, it is a creature that has value and is in the deck for a reason. Yeah, oh, you're right, it makes one a turn. Also, it's five Which mana. is more... Wait, maybe you it's, said that. Nope, I said four, <laughs> yeah. because all of your math at the start was wrong. The average CMC of this deck is, in fact, without lands, which is the number you chose to take, which does raise it, the number by quite a bit, is actually 3.75 because I always get a one-mana reduction on almost every creature in the deck. So, is 3.75 good? No. Are we playing a tribal deck with the, one of the largest tribes in the game? Yes. <laughs> anyway, Bear Umber is a fantastic point. It's literally something I'd never considered. Uh, there's a card that does something similar. If I want to keep that combo in the deck, I can just play the one that isn't literally named Bear thing. <laughs> it's got snakes on it, but snakes are like dragons, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Lizards. <laughs> Reptiles. All right, it's a step closer. We just have yeah. to wait for the, the next dragon uh, commander precon. Yeah. Hellkite Charger used to be in the deck. Uh, probably still should be. The only reason it's not is because I would occasionally get frustrated where if I had exactly Hellkite Charger and Savage Ventmaw, it does not, in fact, go infinite. Charger asks for seven mana. Ventmaw makes six. So it's, it's a lot of damage for sure, but... The infinite loops just looked better. World Gorger Dragon is a combo with a couple of the pingers, but that sort of seemed like too many pieces. I think maybe I'm just being wrong. And also, World Gorger Dragon is a brick if you draw it without any other combo pieces, whereas every other dragon in the deck is a beater. So World Gorger Dragon, I would want to run if I were committing to a more explicit combo plan, but for right now, unless I'm going to do that, I kind of want to keep it out of the deck because drawing it just feels bad if you're not straight combo. Someone mentioned... Uh, Julian 
on dragons that should be in this deck, honey, you should have said the dragon summons your commander when it attacks because that <laughs> is a good dragon that should be in this deck. I thought it was in here straight up. However, again, the Kamigawa dragons are just like, they're, they're not that good. Like, I recognize why you think they are, but the red one is bad. The black one doesn't give me en enough life to really make a difference. The Cake like, of the Tides... 15 life? Is 15 life, yes. Is good, but is uh, to me it just doesn't seem like enough. Uh, Cake of the Tide Star is an actual good choice that maybe should be in the deck if there's a spot for it. Hey, uh, my only rebuttal to your sign and blood comment, Oak? I oh, you, wait, sorry. You yes. cut out there sorry. for, for yeah, me yeah, for a second. I, I think it you killed, killed me with it. Got I, I, knew, I knew what you yeah, said. Exactly. That's my only justification is I killed someone with it. it you fun. killed me with but it? Yeah, I've and you got it. You're right. You should come out of the deck. You got it. Get that's it. the that's combo. Achievement unlocked. Yep. Killed with sign and blood. And also, in the transition moment to asking for advice and opening up to some more helpful suggestions, you're right. My five-color deck is weak to Blood Moon. Uh, I'd love some suggestions on how to make a five-color deck that is consistent and isn't weak to Blood Moon. Um, fetch well, we could start out with this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fetch lands. I'm running, like, um, eight of them. So, the thing is, the land base, while greedy, it's hard to avoid, right? But here's the thing. You got, I think, two spells in here that can remove an enchantment. Correct me if I miscounted. You are probably not wrong. <laughs> and one of those spells has two mana pips, and neither of them are red. So, <laughs> I, I think what you might want to do, um, instead of, uh, you know, I, I know it's shitting on the land base, but I think what, what you actually want to do probably is add a little bit more um, removal that is not creature-focused to the deck. Because your dragons can often handle uh, a lot of creatures, you know. <laughs> you don't usually need to kill them. Um, but you can often, with pingers and stuff like that. That's fair. I I think your land package, or your, excuse me, your ramp package should be changed actually sort of to what Julian was suggesting. I, I think you should just put more lands in the deck and then have the land ramp spells pull lands out of the deck, because you're in green. Yeah, I. That's that was, that was the next big thing that I wanted to say, is that Besides, we've, we've said it a million times, Eric, you should play more lands. You will either do that or you won't. That's that's your call. <laughs> but in terms of your land package, you said this is your big money deck. I think you got to get all the fetch lands. I think since you are probably not playing that, there's probably not that much going on on turns like one, two, three. I think you should get those triomes in there because as great as it is to be able to shock something in, having a land that you can one fetch and two is going to tap for three colors of mana. One of the biggest things, even when you get lands, even when you don't get land screwed, there was like multiple times last night where you were like, crap, I don't have double white. I don't have blue and black and red. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You, you need to get those in one of the biggest ones, which I was going to forgive you. Well, quote unquote, forgive you because the last time we did a roast for you, you were like, oh, I haven't updated this deck in a couple of years, but you literally just updated this with AFR. Um, the World Tree makes all your lands tap for all colors of mana once you have six mana. And that's pretty much when you start doing real things anyway. So <laughs> get that World Tree in there. You've already got Chromatic Lantern in there, so I think you should definitely keep that, though I would cut most of the other rocks you have and just play like straight up land ramp spells. Uh, that will require you probably to run more basics, uh, but something like an Hour of Promise or even like a cartographer survey from the new set, which is look at your top seven, get, you get to put two just lands from, yeah, from there onto really the battlefield. So it's, 
it's a bit of a risk. Obviously, you might brick, but it it doesn't just get basics. Um, but Hour of Promise definitely is uh, sick because that can get you um, whatever land. And then you might even want to run something like Prismatic Omen, which is just a cheap enchantment that says all your lands are all types. But like being able to have all your colors all the time is like crucial for your deck because like I was saying in the in my more satirical part, which is still true though, you have a lot of pips and a lot of different pips because you're yeah. playing all the colors. So you, you need to be able to, to make that happen. Yeah, just another quick word on the Triomes. Uh, I think a great candidate to take out in place of the Triomes would be the uh, Battle Lands that come in if you have two or more basics, or come in untapped if you have two or more basics, because you run so few basics, probably half the time they're just going to come in tapped anyways. <laughs> Those really should have left during the update with AFR. And yep. <laughs> that, that update was not as complete as I wanted it to be, because I think I was doing it like during a game night. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did not touch your lands. Um, <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people forget this too, you can cycle those Triomes for three. Uh, like late game, mm. so if you're worried about having too much lands, you're still gonna have plenty of mana. So you could just late game, you could get rid of them. <clears throat> um, That's a good point. And yeah, yeah, you can. You have three fetch lands plus Crows and Virgin here. So okay, I'd say put I, at least one or two in. I can definitely run more fetch lands then. There's also probably like no deck that's better suited for a Prismatic Vista, uh, which is the the Modern Horizons one fetch land that gets you any basic. Like, even if you just keep it as a failsafe on the, beal on the field, not fetched until you actually need something, like, that is going to be good in case of a Blood Moon or something like that where you can just get the color you need as opposed to just fetching one of a type. Which, granted, if you have all the fetch lands and the triumphs, you're probably not worried about. But being able to access any of the basics, knowing that they will tap for their color regardless, uh, is a pretty solid switch to have. Or even a Fabled Passage, which is a much cheaper alternative and going to give you the land untapped when it matters. Yeah, I, I was going to actually say, um, I, I thought about Prismatic Vista, and as much as this is a money deck, $30 for a fetch land. It's a hard one to like, justify, <laughs> yeah, for an Evolving Wilds with upside. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's hard to s sell myself on, but yeah. Uh, I will definitely go back through the lands package. I, I'm interested in, there was a lot of comments on the roast about throwing shade specifically at the Ur-Dragon, and being like, he's nine mana you don't play him that much. I want you to tell me what I'm supposed to do about that. Because <laughs> yeah, I can't make... make him less than nine mana, except with Urza's Incubator, which I'm running. One, I was just being an ass because that's what we do. Okay. Two, to be fair, a lot of times you don't... You, you will usually play the Ur-Dragon one time a game. And he will either get killed and you'll be like, well, I guess I'm not casting him again. Or you'll do the thing and you'll draw a bunch of cards, put something into play, and probably win after then that. Then it dies. <laughs> or, or yeah, or or you do that and then I'm like, all right, well I have the wrath of God, so here's here's my. Or or you just win right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He, he either goes on to win, um, or yeah, whatever. This actually gets a little bit more at something that I think is a a, a larger overarching, not necessarily issue, but just something that I think we should definitely talk about. And that's is this deck a? You said you want it to be. Uh, your cash cow, uh, your your theoretically your best deck, and uh, maybe an optimized deck is is a way to put it. Um, yeah, optimized is what I'm looking for, not best. Unless someone comes up with an incredibly compelling argument, the Ur Dragon will remain the commander of this deck, and so that is a limit on how strong the deck can be. Right. So what I'm trying to get at is, I think you need to decide if you want this to be a flavorful deck or an optimized deck. 
I think you can still play this as an optimized deck with Ur-Dragon there, and you're like, I want to play a bunch of big dragons, and that's cool, but I think if that's the case, you've got to take out, like I said, absolute heaters like Crib Swap and Dragon's Fire and Sign and Blood, and one, just play better cards, because there are better cards in terms of drawing cards, removal, whatever, and also I think you need to kind of just lean into like, I'm going to play dragons, but probably I'm going to win because I'm going to tutor a creature, uh, you know, whether maybe you're going to like, I'm going to tutor a world gorger dragon and tutor my necromancy and go, or I'm going to tutor my bear umbra and win like that. Well, I don't know. You might take bear umbra out, but tutor whatever. I think you need to kind of decide, do you want this to be like, dragons are super cool and I want to lean into dragons as most, as, as much as possible. Or are you going to, you're like, I want to win. And I'm going to win by most efficiently getting a large thing out that will go infinite and, and kill my opponents, basically. That's the way that I'm kind of viewing it. I think, unfortunately for you, I'm going to take the same option that Chev took with the Eldrazi deck, which is I would like it to both be good Dismantle and incredibly it? flavorful. What? Well, no. <laughs> like, that was what the response you left the podcast with was, I want this deck to still be good, but I also want it to be super flavorful. And you're sort of looking for a home where it can do that. Right. I definitely echo what Julian was saying in terms of like, you know, picking a lane because it's going to be harder and harder to justify it. Uh, and and at least where, where I went with Eldrazi is continuing to pour money into it until it kind of like got as close as possible with the restrictions I put on it. And, you know, my big thing was like, okay, we can either make this competitive, like Julian said, you have Ur-Dragon in the command zone, like you're focused on that benefit that Ur-Dragon gives you consistently, which is one mana less, and you try and speed out, or you try to make it super flavorful with dragons, which I did have a an argument for why you should pick Tiamat as your commander. Uh, not only are there more fun versions of the card if you're going for the more flavorful one, uh, but also when it comes out, it actually does things immediately, and you don't have to worry about it being removed and having nothing to kind of show for it besides a now 11-mana commander and feeling sad. Because you get five of your most powerful dragons, and you can do something with them that's interesting, and it costs two mana less and is coming down a turn or two faster. So it definitely really comes down to... And, and like, you know, there's a reason the Eldrazi are not a current build. And it's because, like, there's only so far you can push it with money to make it work and still meet the intense criteria you're going to set for a pet deck or a tribe. I was going to say, I, th I think one of the good things about this deck, unlike a lot of the decks that we roasted, is it doesn't have an identity crisis. It knows basically what it wants to do. We're not going to come, for, uh, in general, I don't think we're going to come through and be like, here's like a, a weird way that you could take this. Kind of like Noyandar, where we were like, oh, like here's like a bunch of like different interesting ways that you could kind of do this. Like we know what this deck is going to do. It's going to play dragons and it's going gonna, it's gonna to punch your face. But I think the biggest thing is you have to decide on along this spectrum... How cute do I get with playing cards like Drag... I, I'm just picking on this card because, one, it's, like, just a mediocre standard card, but, like, Dragonfire... Oh, it's bad. Like, also, sure. <laughs> there, there's a bunch... I was, like, looking. There's, like, Dragon's Fire, Scorching Dragonfire, Bathe and Dra There's, like, a bunch of just, like, really mediocre burn spells about Dragonfire. So, like, if you're, if you're go going, like, full cute, full, like, thematic, just play all those. And then that also makes it easier because you're just playing a bunch of red cards, so you don't need, like, all this crazy fixing. Um, but... Yeah, you got to kind of pick a point along this spectrum in terms of we're, we're already locked into this is not going to be a, a 10 out of 10 or maybe even a 9 out of 10 just because we're going the Dragon Avenue. Mm. But there's a way that you can optimize the Dragon Avenue with Ur-Dragon still as the commander by just playing better cards around it 
and making sure mm -hmm. that you can get to those combos quicker. Even if it's just, I have a worldly tutor, so now I can get Savage Ventmaw whenever I want, and I have an Enlightened Tutor, so I can get Aggravated Assault whenever I want, whatever. I do think, uh, sorry, one thing I just wanted to say uh, in response to Chev was uh, when you said make Tiamat the commander, a while ago I saw a, a super cool combo you can do with Tiamat and Dream Halls. And so having Tiamat in the zone would be super cool because then all you need is Dream Halls and you go. And that I think would be a super cool competitive deck. Is there a combo that you can win with just getting the, what is it, five? Is it four or five dragons that Tiamat gets you? Yes. So it is Bye. it is just Tiamat and Dragons, and it, it is a Dragon Dream Halls combo. It's so cool. I would have put it in this deck if it weren't kind of bad to like be like, I need to go get Tiamat, now I need to go get Dream Halls, now I need to like... It, it, it's kind of a scuffed combo and a lot of slots to devote, but it's very funny. I mean, if you wanted to lean more into the combo route, you have what? I think you have basically like four combo cards. You have Bear Umbra, Aggravated Assault, Savage Vent Maw, and maybe one other in terms of like cards that like can combo together maybe add in hellkite charger that's five and then if you add in what dream halls plus like two other dragons you have the tiamat one so if you're dedicating like eight slots of your deck to pure combo if you're playing tutors like it depends on how redundant you want to be really and how, how many different options because the thing is if one combo gets interrupted now all of a sudden maybe you can't combo off maybe you have to win the hard way yeah the other thing the is uh, I want to be careful with going too hard into combo because a, I know that Oakley doesn't love playing against combo, and <laughs> well, no, it's a thing where like your enjoyment factors into the decks I build because I oh, want to be yeah. able to play them against you and be like we're all gonna have a good time. And to me, building a super thematic dragon deck isn't a negative. That's not going to upset me to be like I get to play all the coolest dragons in the game and I get to pick my favorites and I get to do what I want. That is a decision I'm gonna have to come to at some point in this deck is. Where do we really fall on this? Do I cut the combo cards, put some extra lands in this damn deck, and keep it thematic? Or do I, you know, try and really trim the fat and cut some of these icing deaths, cut some of these subpar dragons, and make a really lean, mean combo list? Uh, that's a decision I don't know that we're going to come to right now on this podcast. So you currently have 28 dragons. 27. Or 28 if you count the Ur-Dragon. Uh... Right, because don't forget... Birds, birds are sneaking in there. The OG heater. <laughs> all right, yeah, 28 if you count... All right, step one, take birds out. <laughs> all right, all right. That's the first, that's the first change. Let's move to considering. Um, yeah, Um. so 28 dragons in here. I think that's... I mean, listen, the, the way my mind works, you could probably cut a few just for more consistency cards, but... I don't think you want to go any less than 25 dragons. Uh, this is a, a dragon deck. So it is, it is technically a tribal deck. Even though you don't have... Oh, you have a few like tribal-focused cards. But it's less tribally-focused than a, a tr standard tribal deck would be. A traditional deck. I think it's different tribally-focused. Like, like Orb of Dragonkind, Dragon's Horde, Urza's Incubator, Patriarch's Bidding, Kindred Discovery, uh, Dragon Tempest. Like there's a There's a good number of tribal cards in here. It's just dragons don't have the same level of, like, tribal love that, like, yes, I can't run as many tribal support cards as elves because I don't have that many. <laughs> That's true. You know what? Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm under, yeah, maybe it's yeah, just. Yeah, there's, there's it's, not it's, been it's, the, it doesn't, the, yeah. the same amount of love. Yeah, and, uh, but I mean, I think the other thing, though, is that, like, 
Elves are one ones for one that tap for green. And then you have Balefire Dragon that hits for six in the air, and whenever it hits you, it, it deals it six. It kills all your elves. Team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, or you have Belladros Witherbloom, where you can just untap all your lands. Dude, he's so sick. For free, you know, or 10 life, but... I don't actually think I've ever seen you play him in a game. Here, That's another thing. He is ripe for doing some shenanigans. I mean, you'd have to, like, build around it a little bit, but, like... Oh, the game plan is absolutely, like, drop Belladros, and then, like, hopefully that same turn, if not the next turn, be, like, immediate the Ur-Dragon. Because if I have six mana for Belladros, maybe I have a couple left over, and then tap those, untap everything, tap everything again, Ur-Dragon... Or, you know, use Belladros to fund an aggravated assault turn where, you know, I go in a couple times. Since we're talking about big spells you can cast off Belladros, uh, I know I made this suggestion for Joda slash Golos, but I think it'd be really cool to include. And I, I think, especially if you enjoyed playing these cards, or these types of cards in Golos, to include cards that uh, take advantage of the, like, cool factor of having five colors. Um, and so, like, the first thing that comes to mind is just, like, I want to see, like, every ultimatum in here. Or at least half of them. Like, you know, the good half. The good half of the ultimatums, I think, would be awesome. Like... Oh, he does yeah. not need more eight-mana cards in this deck. Please. Okay, I think you just need to make an ultimatum deck. Oh, it, it seems to be a recurring I say, trend. <laughs> I love the idea. However, Julian's right that eight-mana is going to be a lot to ask from this deck. That many colors, that specific is going to be a lot to ask. And also... That other deck was, like, generic big mana, whereas this is a lot more focused, and so, like, I'm planning on keeping Orb of Dragonkind in there, which is a rock that literally can't help me cast those ultimatums. Like, there's more that... I love the idea, and I love the spirit of what if we put more (laughs) eight mana cards in this son of a gun? (laughs) Alright, so what if I take that idea and just, like, squish it down and say, it'd be really cool if you had, um, if you're... A lot of your spells were very flexible and perhaps focused on the plane uh, where dragons dominated, such a, or that being Tarkir, and put some of the charms in here. Mm. <laughs> I know one of them can destroy enchantments, so uh, still, still sort of mana or like costly pip wise, but uh, I, I think they could be some good inclusions uh, for sure. And we could also go with the commands, uh, which are a little less color intense. Like Dramatis Command is just heater of a card. But yeah, uh, definitely something to consider. And I think if I go the tribal route or the the like flavor route, where I'm like, I really want this to be a dragon deck about dragons, and that's it. Those cards are probably going to find their way in here because they're versatile. Um, they they do a lot, and uh, they're they're also like associated with a dragon. I know that we were talking about the Ur Dragon, and I, I don't think he's going to get changed. But just looking at your list, I will say that. Ramos Dragon Engine could be a very potent commander for this deck if you did want to change things up. I've considered Ramos. And obviously he helps about he helps with the mana issues. It's like he was uh part of the same precon or something. It's wild. Yeah, well you know what else was in that fucking precon? Okagachi. Uh, Okagachi <laughs> is a is a Eric's made a deck with him. Okagachi's a dog shit. Dragon. Yeah, and that, that deck was trash. Um but to the point of Ramos, I've considered putting him at the front every time. Every time I consider putting him at the front, I'm like, yeah, but I honestly think he provides less mana advantage than the Ur Dragon. That's fair. I mean, like, if you're casting, what, 10 dragons a game, that's like how many you need to break even or something, because Ramos is only beneficial when it's on the battlefield. 
But if your your dragons cost two or three pips each time, like that's going to do some serious damage relatively quickly. You just have like a longer on ramp before it gets out yeah, there. Yeah, for probably. sure. Ramos is way more explosive, whereas Ur Dragon is mm -hmm. just like, hey, let me just let me just give you that cash back. Yeah, like on all your purchases. You know those like credit card commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what Ur Dragon is like. And and honestly, I, I think the cashback plan does work really well. You have options for the commander. Tima and and Ramos are both fine, but I don't expect the Ur Dragon to really leave. But I thought it should be said. All I want to do is just really quickly say why the shitty dragons are in there, and it's because they're three mana, and I need things to contest the board early. So Icing Death and Leyline Tyrant are both there because they're three mana four force, and that's it. As you guys have pointed out, like so much of this deck comes down so late that like running a couple of the cards where you're like, it's a three mana four four, just don't fucking hurt me, kind of felt pertinent. Um, but I, I can definitely see an argument for cutting them and just saying hey, instead of playing a 3-mana 4-4, play a 3-mana ramp spell. Like, play Harrow, play, you know, like, if you ramp last turn, play Explosive Vegetation or something, and just get cards. Like, get the ability to play cards that actually mean business, as opposed to a dragon that dies and turns into an equipment you won't use. Yeah. I do think Nicol Bolas the Ravager is a solid 3-mana 4-4, but... Alright, well, let's... let's this is, this is the last chance for anyone to say anything, and we'll wrap this shit up, because... The viewers, the listeners, Eric's, Eric's having severe technical difficulties. Um, the, the gods just do not want him to improve this deck, really, is, is what they're saying. No, I think what they're saying is every time that Eric has a reason for why our critiques were wrong, he gets cut off. <laughs> so clearly, all of our critiques are gold, and uh, we should be the ones making Ur-Dragon decks. I already did. I mean, it's the Scion, but... Right, you made his secretary <laughs> as a deck. Who calls their secretary their Scion? Someone who's probably about to get written up with HR. <laughs> also, I, I don't know. I feel like Scion is like worse than secretary. It's like your student. It's like your progenitor. <laughs> well, no, it's like it's like the graduate student who like teaches your Calc one class so you don't have to. <laughs> when people come to the Ur Dragon with bullshit questions, he's like, "Go talk to the Scion." I'm not answering that. <laughs> All right. Apparently, there's two definitions for Scion. Uh, one is a descendant of a notable family, which makes sense, I guess. He's like, yeah, he's like kind of yes, like Mr. Dragon. Another one is a, <laughs> another one is, and take this, I'm assuming we're going to take this very metaphorically, uh, but another one is a, a young shoot or twig of a plant, especially one for crafting <laughs> or rooting, <laughs> which is just very weird. You'll cut off a piece of the ur dragon and uh, just shake it around a little bit and you got the scion. For all our uh, botanists and arborists listening, all zero of you all anyway right. yeah we should end this <laughs> it's devolved we should anyway. we should really uh, yeah. yeah all right we're done here i will fix this deck uh or i or i'll make it like objectively worse and cooler uh but we'll see <laughs> shut this shit down julian oh. just hung the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> that's a way to end the cast <laughs> yep